Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, also keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of information regarding all kinds of things related to positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and all kinds of things related to wellness. It's also the place where you can contact me at the Mental Health Gym, and it is a place where you can suggest future guests for these podcasts. As listeners are well aware of, our goal with these podcasts is to present individuals who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have major contributions to enable us to become the best versions of ourselves that we can. And we try to have a variety of guests and in the process, get ourselves educated as well as getting ourselves emotionally and physically healthy. So we've got a really special guest today. Uh, Scott Schober has a podcast that he calls What Keeps You Up at Night. Now, living in today's world, we probably have no absence of topics to keep us up at night, but probably one of the most important one is cybersecurity. Scott is the author of three best-selling security books, Senior Cyber, Hacked Again, and cybersecurity is everybody's business. He has dedicated himself to educating as many people as possible by telling his own stories of being hacked with the hope that others can learn from his mistakes. In addition to his writing prowess, Scott is highly sought after as an author and expert for live security events, uh, media appearances, and commentary on topics of ransomware, wireless threats, drone surveillance, and hacking. Some of the stuff that some of us haven't even thought about, but we're probably vulnerable to. He's often seen on ABC News, uh, Bloomberg TV, Al Jazeera America, CBS This Morning, CNN, Fox Business, and many more networks. So I guess I don't have to uh, say that we really have an impressive guest. And Scott, I am so happy to welcome you to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. I, for one, and I'm sure my audience are really waiting to hear how you can educate us in this most critical area. Yeah, fabulous to be on with you, Ron. Look forward to a great discussion. Well, looking forward to it, too. And let me ask something to start with that that's always kind of troubled me. The amount of intelligence and the, the genius thinking that goes into computers and related kinds of things, you know, that I, I can't even conceptualize. I remember when fax machines came out, which is old security now, but how could I put a document in at my end? It comes back to me goes through these little wires and somebody will get the same document. I, you know, there's stuff I can't fathom. So uh, I'm wondering with all this stuff going on, 
why can't people who do this stuff create the conditions so that that hacking is not a problem, that cybersecurity is not a threat? Why would we even have you on this uh, podcast? Uh, you know, it, this should have been solved years ago, shouldn't it? Yeah, I think one thought would be, why do we even have cybersecurity? Why is this such an ongoing problem? And, and in fact, why is it getting worse, not better? That, that's troublesome to me. And I have asked myself that question pretty much every single day. Fundamentally, a lot of it comes down to what is the problem? It's humans. They're at the core of the problem. We're the problem. In other words, we're very complacent. We're creatures of habit. When you analyze the way that we work as people, we tend to do things very repetitive. In other words, something as simple as a password. I often, when I'm presenting, ask people and say, okay, do you ever use a short password easy to remember? Most everybody raises their hand. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's my birth date or my dog's name, my cat's name or something else. Because we can remember things. Our, our mind is limited for numbers, even phone numbers. What's the average phone number? It's a limited number because we can remember that easily. The problem is bad guys can also guess it easily or use automated tools to guess our passwords and to hack in. So then we encourage Use a longer password, use something more obscure, 12 or 15 characters, uppercase, lowercase, symbols in there, something that is impossible to remember and impossible to hack. Well, that's effective. However, how do you remember it? How do you recall your password? And that's what bothers everybody. Well, then typically I'll encourage people to consider a password manager, which is a software application that all you need to know is one master password that is long and strong that you keep near and dear to your heart. Don't tell anyone. Don't write it down on a sticky note so anyone else could see it. And that will give you access to your dozens or hundreds of passwords that are secure. And more importantly, it will keep them encrypted. And that's where it starts to get safer. I use a program called Dashlane, but there are dozens of different companies that offer good password managers to keep your passwords safe. That's just kind of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to cybersecurity. So there's something that you and I and your listeners actually can do that's in our control, password management. I also do a hybrid approach. I actually write down really important passwords that give me access to government websites and payment portals and things in a little black book. However, I implement what's called layers of security. That little black book is locked in my safe locked in an office, locked in a building with an alarm, with cameras. Those layers of security prevent somebody from physically accessing the passwords that are most uh, special to me and that need to be kept most secure. And that's real important. To your point, you asked about why does this keep happening? Well, fundamentally, people don't know how to manage passwords, but they don't take on additional layers of security such as we often hear about two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication. Maybe we're given a code that's sent to our phone or text or email or phone call. That additional piece of information proves who you are, that you are authorized or authenticated to have access to a particular site that you're logging into. And that's really important and it's really effective. But guess what? The majority of people don't use it. They don't use it. Why is what I always scratch my head and say is because it takes a little bit more time, not as convenient. So we're constantly making a choice. And I write about this in my books, balancing convenience versus security, security versus convenience. I always opt for security. It takes a little bit longer, 
not as convenient, but you're a lot more secure. So if, if you're logging onto Facebook, use multi-factor authentication. If you're logging onto Zoom, as I often use Zoom, I use multi-factor authentication so nobody could compromise my account and take over my account. It is a pain. It adds another layer where, oh, I got to get another code and put it in to have access, but it makes things a hundred times more strong. And again, that this is just the tip of the iceberg type of things that I like to teach people to kind of ingrain cybersecurity into their life so they think about it and stay a lot more safe. Now, that's really interesting. And now that I think about it, and, and I do use probably not as much as I should, but the two-factor authentication, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that hard. You know, no. when you think about, I mean, I remember that, uh, I guess I can say it now because it's years ago, but I used to have a, uh, a password it was Ron123. Mm-hmm. And I got real annoyed when wherever I was using it, I forgot even what I used it for, but they they told me I had to change to a more secure yeah. password that had that had symbols and capitals mm-hmm. and not capitals. And you know, I thought, geez, what a what a pain! And uh, sure. it, it really isn't when you think about it. It's kind of the same thing as many other kinds of things. It may be may take a little bit longer to go to a market where you can get healthy foods as opposed mm-hmm. to one that that does it, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of, it'd be nicer if you didn't have to do it, but I think the, the inconvenience is probably overrated. Uh, yeah. But I hadn't thought, uh, with Passport, uh, Password Manager, are they, do you know that those sites are secure? In other words, uh, yeah. how, how does somebody know to whether it is? Well, I always, I always like to state, just for clarity or be transparent, nothing's 100% secure. However, doing nothing is not secure at all. So we need to take some action. So in general, password managers are much more secure because what they're actually doing is disciplining you, not you physically, but the application to actually create long and strong passwords. A lot of the passwords are 20 randomized characters that are super strong. They're hashed, they're encrypted, they're stored, and they're really hard to hack into. Hacking is really about a numbers game. They're going for the low-hung fruit, the easy targets, the cyber criminals. So they're going for passwords they could hack into easy. Ron123 is an easy password that automatically would probably be guessed in a fraction of a second. Yet if I put a pass, created a password, A34, you know, uppercase this, symbol, blah, 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 it would take thousands of years for an automated tool to guess it. These are not people that are actually sitting there typing this in, trying a million times. These are automated tools that can run about 10,000 plus passwords per second. So they they make these advanced engines that can just try everything. The important part, to to your point, Ron, which is brilliant, you shared, you used to use Ron123, right? The question I have is, did you ever use that across multiple login sites? I think I know the answer. Yes. And everybody does the same thing. You're not alone. But why is that so important? Because once they compromise, say that was your Facebook password to log into Facebook, your name and your password, Ron123, Facebook has a breach. Maybe it was a third party that they shared information. Somebody got in breach. Now they know your password. Guess what happens? That password gets put into a large database of tens of thousands or more passwords. 
and get sold on the dark web, the internet's underbelly. So a cyber criminal will buy that database for not much money, a couple hundred bucks. Now they have tens of thousands of passwords. They have automated tools that now take those passwords, Ron123, your login credentials. Now they'll go on all the popular websites, all the different logins, and try that same password across everything to find out what bank you have, how to get onto LinkedIn, your stock portfolio, you name it. Eventually they're going to if you reuse the same password, now they have access to 10 or 20 or 30 of your accounts. That's, that's how simple it is from a, a uh, cyber criminal's perspective and why reusing the same password across multiple logins is so dangerous and is a big no-no. In fact, still people that internet users, more than half of them still reuse the same password across multiple logins. So the problem hasn't gone away. Again, goes back to people. We're the problem. We're also the solution, but we got to make changes in our habits and our security. So interesting. Uh, are these cyber criminals, are they are they really bright people? Is there a lot of money in that? Or is it, uh, you know, where if they transfer their skills, they could still do pretty well? Or is it something, can you, can you like take a short course to be a cyber criminal and, and do okay? Uh, I think it, it's everywhere and in between. I, I think about it, if, if you're a doctor, you could be a really good doctor, go to school, work hard and, and practice whatever your expertise is and you could do well. But there are also fakes out there, aren't there? There are people that have that maybe the title doctor, but you don't want them ever touching you. They don't know what's going on in your mind or your body and you're scared to death. So the same thing in the world of cybersecurity. I'll think of it this way. I always put, put, put this thought out there. A lot of cyber criminals come out of Romania. And again, nothing against Romania. It just happens to be statistically where mo most of the cyber criminals come out of because they're very gifted in, in the world of STEM, math and science. They're very smart at a very young age. Imagine if you were a citizen, a kid born in Romania, and you graduate high school. You maybe can't afford to go to a college or a school beyond that. And you're going to get a job getting a couple dollars an hour, working your butt off 12, 16 hours a day. Or you could take that expertise in math and science and get behind a computer, work in your basement in your pajamas, make your own hours, drink your soda all night and hack away. And now you had kind of will perpetuate a victimless crime. You never see the bad, you know, the good guys and you're the bad guy. So you make no connection to that. So it's kind of a faceless, nameless crime. You're just sending out information. You're stealing people's credit cards and you're selling them. You're getting paid in cryptocurrency. You're anonymous. It's hard to catch you because it's on the other side of the world. So people start to justify and say, wow, I could make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year being a cyber criminal and not get caught. Or I could bust my butt at working at a fast food restaurant, making a few dollars an hour a day. That's why it's so attractive. So many people will go that route to become a hacker or cyber criminal, plus they have a realm they could work in, the dark web. As I mentioned earlier, you can be anonymous on the dark web. You don't. You have an alias. You don't have to use your name. You pay in cryptocurrency, which is digital currency, allowing you to remain anonymous. Why is it so important for cyber criminals? What's an old school criminal do? Well, they go in to rob a bank. What do they got? Maybe they pull up in a car. They've got a mask on, right? They've got a gun in their hand. They go into the bank, say, give me all your money. What are some of the tells that might get them caught? Maybe their voice is heard. Maybe the cameras get a picture of them. The car's license plate. Maybe the bag explodes with the money they steal. 
maybe the caliper will bullet in the gun, whatever it is. So these are all physical things that are used to catch a physical thief. Cyber criminal, none of those things exist. So you have true anonymity. Not that I'm encouraging people to be cyber criminals, but I'm just showing the contrast how easy it is for somebody to shift focus to become a cyber criminal. In fact, many of the notorious gangs, these are physical gangs that you know shoot and kill and do all these other heinous, terrible crimes and things. They've migrated to cybercrime because it's more lucrative and it's harder to get caught. So there's really a big pivot in the world how bad guys can still be bad but not get caught as much. And they're using technology to your point and it's unfortunately gotten worse, not better. Boy, that's not really reassuring. A little depressing, uh, sorry. <laughs> before uh, I go further though, I, I like to assume that not everybody knows a term. When you say the dark web, what, mm-hmm. what does that refer to? Sure. When, when you or I, your listeners, go onto the internet, what do we typically do? We, we go to a website or maybe we go to Google. And on Google, we'll type in a particular Bank of America. And I go to that website and I have a redirect that will take me to that website and I can enter in my login credentials, so on and so forth. In other words, everything's indexed. So there's easy to get around from one website to another. We're not typing in necessarily these big, long, random strings of numbers and letters to find that specific address. They're indexed. It's organized. The dark web is a different world. The dark web is underneath the surface web. It's called the surface web where you and I and everybody else sends emails and does the searches and visits websites. This dark web, they're unindexed. So they're very specific sites that you have to know the specific address to type in. And you can't go there by typing in on Google how to get to a dark website exactly. It's a little bit different. It's also organized differently. The dark web providing you anonymity was created by the United States uh, Naval Academy, I believe, years ago to protect uh, people in remote parts of the world, dissidents and reporters and things of that sort, if you need to have secure communication. So on the dark web, It's handled through what's called a Tor uh, system, an onion router, and it actually routes all of the traffic to different relay points around the world. So it looks like one minute, basically, I'm in India. The next minute, it looks like I'm in Texas. Next minute, it looks like I'm in Florida. Therefore, if law enforcement is trying to find the whereabouts of me as a cyber criminal, they can't easily do that. Traffic is encrypted. All of the data is being relayed around the world. And it allows, again, cyber criminals that true anonymity and the sites where they conduct their business, these specific websites, the addresses, they can sell illicit goods. And it's everything from, you know, pornography, guns, drugs. They sell children. You can hire a hitman. You can do all kinds of terrible, terrible things in the world on the dark web. So it's notorious to that. And then one final thing is often... The, the means, the financial means to buy and sell these illicit things is done through what's called cryptocurrency, traditionally Bitcoin, which is digital currency that will not be assigned to me. It's not going to say, hey, this Bitcoin is owned by Scott Schober, but rather a big, long address. So it provides digital anonymity and is extremely hard to trace and catch the bad guy. So for all those reasons, That's why the world of bad guys and cyber criminals is exploding because they have the secret realm, the dark web, that they can work. Depressing. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, let me try and shift a, to maybe a little more positive thing. I'm sure that sometimes we get messages that are not designed to take advantage of us that, you know, what if I am overdrawn from my bank? Uh, what kinds of things? What if my something on uh, among what I'm doing on the computer has been compromised, a password or things of this nature? How do I know when something is legitimate? I know I, I get emails kind of indicating that a bank account has been compromised. Mm-hmm. It's real easy to tell if, number one, if it's not a bank, not your bank. Have an account, <laughs> or uh, usually banks have enough money to hire people who know how to spell. So if I get the misspellings, mm-hmm. but assuming that it's a bank, I have an account with, I, uh, you know, it looks all right, but I, I don't know what to, you know, whether to click on it or not, because I know all kinds of terrible things can happen if I click on the wrong thing. How do I know when something is legitimate? It's tricky. I myself struggle with it. Everyone struggles with it to some degree. I, I always say trust no one, but but verify first before you click. So you, in other words, you need to do your homework a little bit. You need to do a little analysis. I don't expect that everybody does the same level, perhaps analysis that I might do to a, a, a suspect fraudulent email, but I stop. And I actually examine who did this come from? And I don't just read that, oh, this came from Ron because it says Ron. That's where it says it's from because you can email spoof somebody. So I could pretend I'm somebody I'm not. What I'll do is I actually go in and analyze the raw headers. And when you do that, you could actually see where the origin of the email came, the IP information, the actual sender of it, as opposed to whatever they put on the top, kind of like caller ID. Right, you can create anything and make a call to someone, and you could spoof a phone call, and that's how a lot of these scams are typically done. Typically, targeting elderly, so they'll put in there again, whatever bank you have, that's what they'll put in there, and they'll actually put in the same phone number, so it appears that it came from, you know, one eight hundred Bank America, and it says Bank of America, and I go to the Bank America website, and that's the incoming call on the caller ID matches what I see online. It must be the bank. Then they tell you, oh, this is Bank of America Fraud Department, Ron. There's been some activity on your account and there's suspicious activity. We're here to help you. Don't worry. Need to confirm a little bit of information. Last four digits on your social security card are one, two, three, four, correct? And you're thinking real quick, yeah, how'd they know that? Okay, this must really be them. Oh, and your account number ends in 5793. Yeah, that's true. And you reside at da, 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 da. Yeah, Okay. Okay, now we just need to confirm a little bit more private information to verify who you are. So now they put the onus back on you and suddenly ask you some for some more information. That's really the cyber criminal trying to scam and social engineer full information out of you. And that's typically how a lot of these scams are orchestrated. They gather, garnish a little bit of information going out on social media, buying it on the dark web, dumpster diving pulling out of your garbage can information, piecing together enough information so then they can target you, be it email, be it be it phone, and they'll often spoof and fool you. And these scams are very effective. Why? Because it sounds convincing. Have you ever seen the movie um, Catch Me If You Can? Oh, yeah. I think it was starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, well, the, the, true, the, the true story is from a, a real-life story from Frank Abagnale Jr. And... 
he was an expert kind of fraudster with, with check writing and, but more importantly, social engineering. He could pretend he's a pilot by using all the familiar buzzwords. Well, it's a jump seat and I'll be back on the 747 in five minutes and talk a fast game. And what happens? It breaks down barriers and people, again, part of the problem, we trust people. We can get into their minds and fool them very easily by using familiar terms and jargon that puts us accepted at a certain level of credibility. And that's, again, what cyber criminals are very adept at doing. So we have to realize that. What's a couple of good things we could do to, to prevent it, to your point? Stop and investigate. If you get a phone call, sound suspicious in one way or another. My grandfather got a call. He won a thousand gallons of gasoline. Sounds preposterous, right? It was kind of funny because my grandfather was 99 years old and didn't have a car and didn't drive at the time. But he was excited because he won something and someone called him. And he thought, well, I'll give it to my grandkids when they visit and this and that. So he's thinking about that, the positive side, that's the distraction. What happens then is suddenly the scammer at the other end of the phone says, all we need is just your credit card for a small processing fee. And we're going to be delivering that gasoline to you soon. Oh, okay, hold on. Let me get my credit card. Can you hear me? Okay, let me read that off again. Make sure you got it because he's excited. And that's what good scammers and cyber criminals do. They use what's um, something emotional, something distracting. They add a sense of urgency also to whatever the scam is to make you respond to it. So what I tend to do is put them on the defense. I'll say, oh, hold on, Bank of America, this is the fraud department. Great. You know what? This is a really important call. In case this call gets dropped, what's your name and phone number? Let me write it down so I could get back to you. And they hang up the phone. Why? I know they're a scammer. So again, put the onus on them. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to do some investigation. If you're not comfortable, I would say phone a friend. What is that, Jeopardy it's from? Or uh, what was that that show? Not Jeopardy. Yeah. One of those one of those game yeah, I, shows I, I, that we all love to watch. I yeah. just can't remember. Maybe it's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. But you had an option to phone a friend. Use that option. Call your trusted loved one, your spouse, your friend, your neighbor. Maybe there's the guy that works on your computer. He's a geek. Just give him a quick call and say, hey, I got this phone call. I got this suspicious email. Before I click on it or download anything, does this sound legitimate? And then oftentimes you'll be able to tell. I guess if it comes, if they say they're representing a particular place, you can call the bank or the, the company mm -hmm. and check that out too. Yeah, yeah. And you still have to use some level of caution. I received a an email, it was called a phishing scam. They were trying to get me to click on a link. I identified it pretty quick. I was suspicious. It was from my cable company or appeared to be from my cable company. I called my cable company. I said, you know, I got this suspicious email from you asking for further information. When if I were if I were to click on it, it's a redirect not to your site, to another site. I'm suspicious. Did you send that out? And the girl goes, hold on comes back and she says, yeah, we send that off out often. Yeah, it's a survey. We just want to clarify some information. It's okay, sir. Just click on that and just fill out whatever information has. Right away, I said, no. I said, do me a favor. Put your manager on. I want to talk to them. And I talked to the manager. I said, you know, your, your customer service person said it's okay. They send out emails asking for this. I said, this is a phishing email that's a redirect to a fraudulent site looking to steal my information. And the manager goes, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Schober. I'll, I'll talk to them. They, they already went through cybersecurity training, but they must have forgotten. They said the wrong thing. That's our mistake. I'm so sorry. Bro. So even then, I took the, the initiative to call the place. And I knew it was a fake, though. 
And if I was just innocent, a regular consumer, and the girl says, yeah, it's okay, click on that, I could have gone down that path. So we really just have to be very, very careful, investigate it. Don't be too quick to click is what I like to tell people because we're all so, you know, we're busy, we're distracted. We want to click, 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 click. It looks familiar, the graphics, the name, looks like it's from the banker, my friend, click, next, boom. Then it's a mess of trouble. And are there particular either schemes, scams or things that are uh, particular that make seniors particularly vulnerable? Uh, yes, absolutely. Great question, by the way. Um, there are there are literally thousands of scams and they're evolving and changing daily. We've all heard about the Nigerian prince scam through email and laugh and joke. Who's dumb enough to actually click on that? Probably more importantly, and stats a little old, but but it make, makes the point. Every day, there's over 156 million emails that are sent out. Most of those, or a fair, fairly high percentage of those, are garbage. Phishing scams, junk email, solicitations, everything in the mix there. And there's some legitimate in there. Out of that, what gets through all of our junk mail filters, the servers, everything else is hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Out of that, there's 80,000 emails that get through that people actually click on the phishing scam each and every day. 80,000. 80,000 people every day fall victim and click. So what does that tell you? It works. It's cheap. It's effective. And it works. And that's why it keeps happening. And the problem's not going away until we as humans don't click so fast and investigate. And, and, and don't trust people. I hate to say that because we live in a world where my grandparents and my parents, to some extent, even could trust people. You could walk out on the street or as a kid, I would play and go play in the woods. I don't want my kids going to play in the woods these days. Well, the same thing is true in the world of cybersecurity. We can't just go out there and play and trust people. We can trust nobody, unfortunately, because there's too many bad guys out there that are preying on innocent people. Well, to your point, too, I should add, Seniors in particular are a target. Why? They're more trusting. They're a little bit more innocent. They typically have more financial needs than most people do because they've saved and worked hard all their life. So they're more of a target that cyber criminals are trying to steal from. They use that to their advantage. And in some cases, not, not a fair statement, but in some cases, seniors may not be as tech savvy or as quick. And they're trying to use that against them. So they'll talk fast. They'll use technology and buzzwords to intimidate them to try to steal information. So I, I talk a lot about that, it, the kind of what's going on in a senior's mind and to not be afraid to hopefully empower them a little bit so they can have a level of confidence so they can learn about the Internet, computers, smartphone technology and embrace it and not live in fear of it. Well, this has been really, really educational and helpful to so many people, but I didn't get to the juicy part, and I don't want to <laughs> end this, that because uh, I do understand that getting scammed may have been part of why you're you're sitting here today. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this, and uh, maybe it can be a little bit entertaining, but also more education for us. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. I'd be happy to. It's a bit embarrassing, but as a security company, and we're, we're a family-owned business. It was founded by my father. We're a 50-year-old company. We provide wireless and security solutions, in particular, to a lot of different cybersecurity agencies. 
That being said, I spent a lot of time educating people, talking technology, sharing tips, speaking at seminars and events and presenting. So I'm constantly out there teaching, training, and educating people how to stay safe. Well, a number of years ago, the more I did this, the more that I found I had a target on my back. In other words, the cyber criminals pointed to me and said, we're going to take this guy out because he's making our life miserable. The more I train people to stay safe, the harder they have to work to steal money. So they started going after me. How? Well, they took over my Twitter account, hacked into that. That's how it started. I started receiving repeated DDoS attacks, distributed denial attacks where they flood your website with junk email. We have an online store. We sell our products. Suddenly we can't sell products online because they're constantly flooding us with this junk traffic. They targeted myself personally, my credit card, my debit card, companies, credit card, debit card. All of a sudden, all of our cards were compromised and we're racking up charges and things. Finally, I realized this is getting ridiculous. I go online one morning and I look at our bank account and out of the checking account, $65,000 was stolen. So again, they targeted our bank and myself and my company personally and started stealing money became a federal investigation, became paperwork, phone calls, emails. It dragged on and on. Basically, I was hacked and hacked again and again and again. It hasn't really gone away. In my investigation and with help with others, uh, I was working with a, a, a closely with an Israeli cybersecurity company and identified some of the cyber criminals were notorious hackers that were going after me and made my life miserable created kind of a paranoia in me. And, and it's kind of happens to a lot of my cyber colleagues out there too, that are researchers and report on this, you get targeted and it makes you nervous. So you start doing things like blur out your house on, on Google street view and your license plates. And I put out misinformation out on the internet so people can't track me and follow me and know my whereabouts or when I'm on vacation. I use a different birth date on every social media account that I set up. So somebody can't compromise my identity or take credit out in my name. I have my credit frozen and I go to all any and all lengths I can to make it difficult to keep getting hacked and victimized by cyber criminals. And that's kind of what I share all my misgivings and my mistakes in my book hacked again. But the things that I've learned that how I can take security back in my control and hopefully impart some of the the stupid things that I did so people don't go down that same path and they can learn from it. And uh, it's been an interesting ride. It's been very challenging, but I've learned a lot. And hopefully I'm imparting some of the things that I've learned to other people. It went to the point where when I used to talk about being hacked years ago, people kind of stared at me like deer in the headlights and say, what are all these terms you're talking about and things? They didn't hear about, you know, DDoS and 2FA and, and all ransomware and everything else. Now, that's gone full circle and changed because now it's become part of our everyday life. And hence, I wrote my second book, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business, because now it affects everybody out there, one fashion or another. You probably know somebody that had their credit card, debit card, identity compromised, something, something one way or another, we've been hacked. If not, it's just that we don't realize we probably have been already and we're soon to find out. So, And then I identified with my third book, Senior Cyber, I found that that's a, a specific demographic that's really underserved. I couldn't find a book that talked about cybersecurity that was a positive realm, that was building up 
and helping seniors that didn't talk down to them. So I wanted to do something that's going to make them feel good, empower them, build some confidence in them, let them know they can be an active internet user and use computers and technology and embrace that and not live in fear of cyber criminals. Um, so hopefully I'm accomplishing some of that. And, uh, you know, again, really appreciate uh, learning about some of the stuff that you're doing uh, on this podcast and with your with your book there, Rejuvenating. I'm, I'm excited to take a look in that and share that with others. Well, thanks very much for all this information. Now, where can people get your books? Well, it's pretty, they could reach out to me just on my website. It's simply my name, scottschober.com. But if they go to Amazon and, and they could put in my name or any of the titles of the book, they could find it there, buy it. And, and certainly I encourage people, if you do uh, uh, buy it, I, I thank you for that. And, and feel free to give me a review, good, bad, or ugly. I welcome the feedback and that will hopefully help me improve as a writer, as, as I continue to work on educating people. Okay, that's great. And where else uh, do people find you? <laughs> Just first of all, just in terms of general public, uh, you know, are there things that that they can reach out for? And also, we may have a few people from the corporate world who may be interested in exploring this stuff further with you. Yeah, absolutely. I have a uh, website, BV Systems, Baker Victor Systems dot com. That's my company's website that has all of our products, the research that we've done, a lot of um, tips and articles and e-papers that are all free to download. And again, as I mentioned, scottschober.com, they can go there. I, I do have a YouTube channel that I'm very active on. I'm active on social media, the, the LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, reach out to me, direct message me on any of those platforms. I'll certainly respond or you could fill out something on, on the webpage. I also do a, a daily cybercrime radio I do the headlines every morning on that, and that's internet radio, cybercrime radio, and it's actually also out of Long Island, a, a, a literal radio station as well. So I do a number of shows and headlines every day. So my voice is heard all over the place and uh, constantly doing great, great podcasts like this and TV and, and radio, you'll find me. Great. Well, I can't thank you enough. It's really been enlightening. It's been about as useful a podcast as I could have presented because we're all dealing with this stuff. And, uh, you know, some of us realize it, some may not, but hopefully everybody will realize it after this. And really appreciate not just your sharing this information, but all that you do to try to make the the internet a safer place for us all to function. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, again, it, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, we'll have all this information in the show notes for, for people to be able to get your books, contact you, and so on. Thank you again. And this brings to a close another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. And hopefully, we'll be able to incorporate, incorporate this advice, be a little safer in our lives and maybe be able to sleep better at night, despite the the title of your podcast. Um, (laughs) So thanks again, Scott. We're going to be signing off now. I hope that you will be listening, telling your friends about it, downloading, rating, and reviewing both this episode and, and others that come your way. And be back next week when we'll have another very interesting guest to help us lead 
our lives in the most enthusiastic and best way that we can. And certainly we can lead our lives with a whole lot more enthusiasm if we can feel reasonably secure every time we get on the computer. Uh, so again, uh, the, the big message for me is a little bit of extra effort to get secure passwords and so on is, is a whole lot easier and less expensive than, than getting your account hacked. But thanks again. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Stay safe. Sure. Yeah, that's you stole my my term because I I always <laughs> close by saying that uh, you know this we're still in the pandemic although the news has been better lately and so so stay safe out there uh, again please visit the website the mental health gym and be back next week thanks again Scott and everybody have a real good week now. <laughs>